Let us remember that people need the Lord, and we are people. We need the Lord. If you got your Bibles with you this morning, as folks are coming down and finding their seat, as, uh, uh, I would ask that you would turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, where we'll be looking at verses 11 through 27 uh, this morning. For those of you that have been here the last several weeks, uh, uh, those of you that have been online watching and listening, you'll know that we are uh, in the midst of a series on spiritual disciplines. And I I shared with you that uh, the first two spiritual disciplines that I shared with you were perhaps the most important foundational truths that we have in the area of growing in our spiritual walk. And that is uh, uh, the Word of God, spending time in God's Word, And second of all, spending time in prayer. Without those two spiritual disciplines in our life, the the last three that I'm going to share with you really are of no effect. And today I'm going to uh, begin uh, to talk about one that most people would wish that I wouldn't talk about when it comes to spiritual disciplines. And I want you to understand that God has said that this is a spiritual discipline that needs to be in our life. So what I want to talk to you about today and over the next week or two, as the Lord lays upon my heart messages, is the area of stewardship. Today I want to talk about the stewardship of your life. You see, oftentimes we narrow our stewardship down to just our money, but it has far more reaching effect than just our money. So I wanted to begin today by talking about stewardship of our life. So I've entitled the message today, Working with What I Have Been Given. Working with what I've been given. God has given each of us something to work with, and therefore we need to be good stewards of what He has given us. So our text today really just talks about that, but it talks about it from the perspective of the second coming of Jesus. So would you stand with me as we honor the reading of the word of the Lord? And for those of you that are at home, uh, if you don't have your Bibles available, I don't know why, but it's going to be on the screen for you to follow along as well. All right, so starting in Luke chapter 19 and verse 11 and through 27, and it says, And they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, Therefore a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he had returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much each man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound has gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, uh, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a a very little, have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound has gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be thou over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art uh, an austere man. Uh, thou taketh up that which thou layest not down, and respect, uh, 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 reapest that which thou didst not sow. 
And he saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knowest that I am an austere man, uh, taking up that which I have laid down, and reaping that which I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest thou my money unto the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. Then he said unto him that stood by, Take from him thy, his pound, and give it to him that has ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he has ten pounds. For I say unto you that every one that has shall be given, for, uh, and from him that has not even that he has shall be taken away from him. Because thou and mine enemies, which would not have, should reign over thee, bring them hither and slay them before me. Father, we come before you today as we have the word of the Lord before us and we've heard its writing and, it's, and we've heard what uh, the Lord wanted to share in this parable. Lord, now we pray that you would take the words of Scripture and that you would use your servant today to speak to us about that which we have been entrusted with and how that we ought to use that which we have been given. And Lord, may we understand that this is an area of stewardship of our life. And Lord, I pray that, Father, that for those that, uh, Lord, are here today hearing, Lord, may the Spirit of the Lord speak unto them. Lord, not, not be my words, but your word that speaks unto our hearts and moves us further into a stewardship relationship with our Father. Lord, we ask these things so that Christ would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated this morning. In preparing for this, I read about a story about a, a game people play. It's called Bigger and Better. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you have even played it. It kind of goes something like this. Each team gets one dollar, a dollar bill. And then they are set out on a scavenger hunt to take that one dollar bill and see what they can trade it for, take what they've traded that for, trade it for this, and trade it for that, and keep trading bigger and bigger and bigger and better until a certain amount of time has, has come and they come back together as groups and see who brings in the largest and most expensive prize. I read in the story that one team left with one dollar, came back with somebody's recliner. Okay? They took that one dollar and they made it bigger and better for sure. All right? All right. You know that God gives each of us things uh, that sometimes seem small and insignificant. Yet in reality, if we would use these things for the glory of our Lord, we could experience a great harvest. For example, one small kernel of corn planted in the ground turns into hundreds of kernels of corn as it grows to fruition. These, there's an old song um, that we don't probably hear much about anymore. It's one, one of the old, old hymn books that we have, and it's called, We'll Work Till Jesus Comes. Carlene and them may uh, remember this, this old song. And in the song, it was written by Elizabeth Mills back in 1837. The chorus simply says three things. We'll work till Jesus comes. And it says it three times over and over again. And then it ends with a reminder. And then we'll be gathered home. We'll work till Jesus comes, we'll work till Jesus comes, we'll work till Jesus comes, and then we'll be gathered home. 
What a great reminder for us today that we have been given an opportunity, a job, and a responsibility while we're waiting for Jesus to come or while we're waiting to be called home to glory, we have a job and a responsibility to work until Jesus comes. We have a right uh, uh, to labor for the Lord as his children. Let me just remind you that Jesus is coming again. More is said in Scripture about his second coming than was said about his first coming. Jesus is going to come again, and in his second coming, he is going to complete every detail of every prophecy in complete detail. The question for us this morning is, if Jesus is truly coming again, which he is, what are we to be doing while we're waiting? Are we to do like some have done over, uh, throughout history and sell all of our stuff, quit our jobs, and go sit on a mountain and look up and wait for Jesus? Or maybe we're to be like the other group that uh, is just the opposite. They live uh, their lives as if all that matters is this world and all that they get and, and collect in this world. And when they die, it's just over. Can I say absolutely not to either one of those extremes? God doesn't want us to sell all of our stuff and go live on top of the mountain. He doesn't want us to live as if we are to collect all of our stuff and he that has the most toys at the end wins... That is not God at all. But however, God has said to us and commanded us that we have a responsibility to be working and laboring and serving the Lord while we're waiting for His come. We are simply to do three things. Watch. He says that we are to look nigh unto the sky for coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And then we are to wait. We are to wait on the Lord. We're not to try to push His coming, but we're to wait for God to say, go bring my children home. And then we're to work. We're to constantly be working every day for the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be doing things to the building of the kingdom of God and so that we will be ready when he comes. Jesus tells a parable here about how we should respond to the news of his return. Some of Jesus' followers assumed that he was going to set up his kingdom right away. He was on his way to Jerusalem, so it must be he was ready to set up his kingdom. However, Jesus knew that that was not the case and he wanted his followers to understand that was not what he was doing. So he tells this parable. As a matter of fact, this parable was prompted because of that ideology. Now, what is a parable? Well, remember, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus tells an earthly story here with a heavenly meaning that they would fully understand and grasp in their day and time. And so what Jesus is beginning to share with them is something that they can relate to and something that they can learn from. How is Jesus, or how will Jesus find us if he were to return today? I hope that he'll find us faithful, but I wonder if he'll find us unfaithful. Are we doing what we are called to do? Are we watching? Are we waiting? Are we working? Or are we doing our own thing just hoping that Jesus doesn't come anytime soon? Well, I want to talk to you about a couple of things today. First of all, this parable leads me to the understanding that we have all been entrusted uh, by the king with goods to take care of while he's away. We all have received goods from the king that we are to do something with while he is on his journey. In this passage of scripture, we're introduced to a nobleman. A nobleman is simply a servant of the king. 
He leaves to go on a far journey to receive a kingdom, and then his plans are to simply return. He leaves and goes on a far journey to receive that kingdom, and then as he returns, before he goes away, he gathers ten of his servants, and he gives them each a sum of money. He then explains to them, engage in business until I come. I like the King James uh, version of this. If you look at uh, uh, that verse there, and, and as you look, it says, occupy till I come. That word occupy simply means do something with it. Don't sit on the sidelines, but be doing something with what I give you until I return. So engage in business. In other words, they were expected to take what he had given them and, and to turn it into something more, to wisely invest it until he returned. In essence, they were to be good stewards of what was entrusted of them. Now we see another group in this parable, and they are called in this section, they are simply referred to as the citizens. These citizens did not want this nobleman, nor did they want to submit to his rule and reign. The nobleman is obviously a reference to Jesus in the parable, of course. All right, I hope everybody sees that. The servants are a reference to those who have made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Those of us who have been born again into a relationship with God through the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. The citizens, however, are those who have refused, those of the world who are still lost and who have said, I don't want anything to do with God. I don't want anything to do with religion. I don't want anything to do. I want to live my life the way that I want. I don't want anybody telling me how to live my life. Now, we all know folks like that. All right? So these are folks that would not submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. While uh, we are waiting for Jesus' return, God has entrusted us with certain blessings until he returns. Just as the servants were expected to engage in business or to occupy until he comes, with the money that the noblemen had left them, we also have been blessed and are to use those blessings to invest in, not in this world system, not in an earthly investment, but into a heavenly investment. We are to be investing in the kingdom of God, the scripture says also in Luke that we're to put up our treasures where our heart is there are treasures. So he tells us to put our treasures in heaven where moth and rust and thief cannot steal or take away from us. We're to work on our heavenly home and our heavenly kingdom. Now in that, that means that sometimes we have to, to, to advance some things here on earth in order to build the kingdom of God. Now the question is, what have you and I been gifted with? What have you and I been given by God to work with while we're here? What are the gifts that you have been given? Well, I think there's, hold up your hand. Everybody hold up your hand. I hope everybody's got five fingers. Well, four fingers and a thumb. All right? Because just, just one, because you're just going to need them five. I want you to learn this, these little sayings here. I'm going to give you five things. Time, talent, temple, testimony, and treasure. When I think about that, I always bring up my hand and say, what is God, what is God saying that I am a steward of in my life? And I have five fingers on that hand, and it reminds me of the five important things that God says that I'm responsible for. Now let's look at them in, in, in a little bit more detail. I'm going to break them down for you. First of all, time. Time is one of the things that we have. 
It's one of the things that we all have. All of us have the same amount of time. Every one of us gets 24 hours in a day. Nobody gets more or less time in a day. It's not about the amount of time that we have. We all get the same amount of time. We're gifted by God with 24 hours in a day to do something with. Every minute should count. Every second should count. So if, if we're all given the same amount of time, what's the deal with time? It's not about the amount of time, it's about how we use our time. It is important for us to understand that we must use our time correctly. We are given uh, uh, to give our time to God, uh, our time which involves time in the word, in the prayer, in worship, in time in Christian service. Every one of us has the same amount of time. And how many times have I heard, or have you heard, I would have done that, but I just didn't have time. Wait a minute. I just got done saying everybody has the same amount of time. How can you not have time? It's not about having not enough time. It's about managing your time well. God says that we're to be a steward of our time so that we're managing our well our time well so that at the end of the day we don't look back at our day and say I know I was supposed to pray I know I was supposed to read the word I know I was supposed to talk to somebody about Jesus but I was just so busy with all the other things that I was doing I didn't have time yeah you did you just didn't manage it well you just didn't honor God with it well so the very first thing that we need to understand is that we've all been given time that we are to be stewards of. And God's going to hold us accountable to that stewardship of our time. The second thing that I want you to see is that we all have talents. Now, we all have different talents, gifts, or abilities. Some more than others in one area or another. But we all have been given something. Our talents and abilities are those that are natural things. Those things such as singing, I did not get that gift, okay? I do it anyways, but I don't have that gift, all right? Teaching, working with our hands. There are a lot of things that I can do that other people struggle with, and I enjoy doing those things. There are a lot of people other people can do that I can't do that they enjoy doing those things. We've all been given something in order to use. You know, um, it doesn't matter if it's singing or if it's, you know, working with our hands or, or if it's teaching or, or whatever it might be. Every one of us has something that we're good at that we can do. Technology. You know, some of you are good at managing and working with technology. Use those gifts. Now... The gifts, now that's, that's, our, that's our talents, our abilities. But then the Bible talks about gifts. Now what are the gifts? The gifts are the gifts of the Spirit. Now again, the Bible tells us that every one of us have been given spiritual gifts to use. Not only our natural abilities, but God says, listen, when you come to know me as your, as your Savior and you become a child of God, I instill by the Holy Spirit some gifts in you that take that natural ability and, and develop it and then enhance it to a bigger and better thing. All right? So... What does the Bible say? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 and 11, here's what the Bible says. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So every gift that we've been given is given to us so that by God we may help others. But then he goes on to say, 
But all these worketh for that one and the selfsame spirit, that's God, dividing to every man severally as he will. You received one or more gifts from the Spirit of God as God so desired to give unto you. And therefore you have been given those gifts. We're to use both of those natural and spiritual gifts in order for us to be able to serve the Lord. The second thing, or third thing that we see is temple. So we have time, and we have our talents and our abilities, and then our temple, all right? We're told by Paul that our body is not our own, but it is God's dwelling place. Again, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20, here's what God says. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and that you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We are to live for God by manifesting him in our body as we are in two ways. First of all, to honor God with our body, we need to do one thing to stay away and then one thing to draw near. To stay away. The Bible says that if we're going to honor God with our bodies, we need to stay away from sin. We cannot let the sin of this world corrupt the very temple of God. The things that we take in, the things that we do, the places that we go, the people that we are associating ourselves with affects the, the dwelling place of God. Listen, my friends, I want to remind you that the Spirit of God is in this place. Can I get an amen? amen. But I want to remind you that when the last person leaves this building this morning... The Spirit of God is gone. Amen? Because the Spirit of God does not dwell in this building. He dwells in us. And we take Him with us. The first person to arrive on any given service brings the Spirit, oh, at least I hope so, brings the Spirit of God with them. And the last person to leave takes Him with them. We take and bring the Spirit wherever. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He dwells within us. Know ye not that you are, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God and are not your own. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We are to live for God by manifesting Him and staying away from sin. But also we're to manifest God by doing with our bodies those things that God has called us to do. We're to use the body in which he's given us to go out into the world and share the gospel. We're to use that to be a servant to our neighbor. We're to use that to, to, to take food to somebody in need, to visit the sick and the shut-in and the imprisoned. We use our body, the temple of the Holy Spirit, to do the work of Christ. So we're to stay away from sin and we're to use our body for His glory. So we've got time. We all got the same amount of time. We've got to manage it well. We've got, to, we got to, uh, our talents and gifts. All of us have different ones, but we've got to use them. And, and we know that the Spirit of God that comes in and dwells us gives us a spiritual gift that enhances oftentimes our natural abilities to take us even farther in that journey. And third, our temple, the body of, of Christ, we are that very temple. And then fourth, our testimony. Our testimony. 
We all have two testimonies. Wait a minute. How do we all have two testimonies? I thought we only had one. I mean, you know, I only got saved once. <laughs> or, or maybe. No, no, I'm not talking about how many times you got saved. You only need to be saved once, by the way. <laughs> Just the, hear me. <laughs> if you're truly born again, you only need to do it once. So you got one testimony that says, this is what God did for me. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was a sinner, but now he has changed me. By the blood of Jesus Christ, I've been set free. I have a new life, and it is in Jesus Christ, my Lord. I have a testimony that I am not who I once was, but I am not yet who I need to be. That's my testimony of my coming to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I realized that I was a sinner in need of Him, and He came to me and offered grace, and I took His grace. And by His mercy, He didn't charge me with a sin. He took my sin and took it to the cross. I have a testimony of my faith, and you have a testimony of your faith. I don't care if you say, well, preacher, you don't understand. I, I, I was brought up in a Christian home. I, I, I was raised by Christian parents, and, and I was saved as a little child, just a young child. And I never rebelled. I didn't go out into the world. I didn't drink, smoke, or cuss, or hang out with those that did. Preacher, I don't have a testimony. Yes, you do. The same grace that it took to save me, a wretched sinner like I was, took the same grace to save you. It doesn't matter what sin, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all need the same salvation. We all need the same blood. What we need to understand is we have a testimony that we couldn't do it, but Jesus did it for us. Well, if that's our one testimony, what in the world can possibly be our second testimony? How we live. One thing to claim that you're a Christian. One thing to say that I've had the blood of Jesus Christ applied to my heart. I walked the aisle, I prayed a prayer, I did all this stuff and you need to do it too. But if our life doesn't back up our words, our words are useless. They're simple rhetoric. See, the second testimony and perhaps the greatest testimony of all is the way that we're living for Christ. The way that we walk in this world, the way that others see us and look at us and, and say, that truly is a follower of Christ. You see, the, the greatest thing that we have is the gift of being able to share the gospel. You know, there are times in our lives when we are trying to share the gospel and we find that we just don't have the ability, it's just not an open door for us to share words. But we so desperately want to share with that person or that group of people what Jesus has done for us, then here's what I want you to hear, is you can do that by living out your testimony. Live the life before them that says, this is a life changed by grace. This is a life that Jesus has, has, has not only uh, touched and changed, but dwells within. We have a testimony of an opportunity to share our faith. So the question for all of us is, if we have a testimony or two testimonies, is it a good testimony or is it a bad testimony? You see, you can, you can write it down and, and refine the words, but if the life doesn't back up the words, it is a terrible testimony. So we've got time, we've got talent, we've got temple, we've got testimony. And here's the one nobody wants me to talk about. We've got treasure. 
our treasures. Well, here's what the Bible says, that we should give our money to, to the Lord. Malachi asked a pointed question. Joe brought it up earlier. I told him I was, he was stealing my sermon, but he did it anyways. Malachi asked a pointed question. Will a man rob God? Boy, I want you to stop and just think about that for a minute. Would you dare rob God? Would you break into heaven and steal something, the golden goblet? No! We wouldn't even dare. But yet, the Bible says that we are robbing God. And here's what he says. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. And verse 10 says, Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, that there shall be not room for enough for you to receive it. What a powerful promise from God. That you can't outgive God. That He is faithful. He is faithful to bless you with something. Now, we may, as a series of messages on stewardship goes on, we may talk about the widow and her might. But you know the story there. The widow and her might, she only had that little might. And everybody else had all of their riches. And they were making that brass pot ting when they dropped in all their... And she dropped in and it hardly made a noise. And yet Jesus said of her that she gave more than all the others. Why? Because she didn't give out of her abundance she gave out of her want, meaning her need. She gave all that she had. Now, God's not telling us to give everything. Remember, He didn't say sell it all and go up to the mountain. But He did say, I've blessed you with something. I've blessed you with enough. I've given you. Now the test is upon you. Do you trust me? And if you trust me, here's what I promise you. Not only will I meet your needs, not only will I take care of your wants, not only will I give you things that you, you want that you really don't need, but if you'll just give to me that portion, that tenth and beyond, I will take the rest and spread it out to make it enough. As we continue on our series of spiritual disciplines this morning, we come to the inescapable issue of stewardship. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times, people don't like preachers to talk about money. They don't mind it when it's you know, in their favor, but they don't like them to talk about preaching on stewardship. I don't like to preach on stewardship, but God convicts me every now and again that says it's in the Word, teach my people to give. They need to know to give. And they need to know how to give and what to give. So the scripture speaks about stewardship. It addresses much, much more than money. It speaks to the entirety of our life. Wise money management is simply one part of what it means to be a good steward. Being a good steward entails much, much more than how we spend our money. 
Perhaps a, a definition here as we uh, wrap this up for this morning would be helpful. What is stewardship? In the most simplest of terms, a steward is a manager who administers that which belongs to someone else. If you own a business and hired an administrator to oversee the finances of your business, you have hired a manager. The money they manage is not theirs. They cannot spend it as they please. It goes without saying that if they, uh, they the manage, don't manage that money well, if they misuse it, we call that embezzlement. And our laws say that that's an offense and they can be prosecuted. If you and I are followers of Jesus Christ, if you have denied yourself, taken up your cross and truly followed Christ, if you have given him to him your life, for him to take and to hold for the surety of salvation. You, like that manager, have given all to him. He owns it all. So you are simply a manager. For you have surrendered your claim to everything you thought you owned and have given it all to Christ. Now, according to your own acknowledgement, he owns it all. It is at his disposal to do with it as he wills. To do otherwise is to embezzle that which belongs to God. He owns it all. He owns your time. He owns your talents. He owns your temple. He owns your treasure. He owns your temple. He owns it all. If God owns it all and we're simply managers of what he has given to us, and a good manager is one who is designed as one who manages well that which he's been given. And you and I have been given these five areas of life. Now, by the way, I've got three more pages of sermon notes here that we could go another hour, but we're not going to. I want to just focus on the five points today, the five areas of our life that we need to be good stewards in. Now, I'm going to admit that I've not always been a good steward of what God has entrusted me with. And I want to remind you that I've got one of two choices. Either I can cry over spilt milk or I can clean up the milk mess and move on. Recognizing that I serve a God who is a God of second chances. Who says, if you'll come to me and repent and turn from your wicked ways, then I will put you on a new path of life and I will give you new instructions. And I will give you new opportunities to serve me. The question that I ask all of us today is, where are you in the area of stewardship of those five areas of your life? By the way, those five areas encompass everything that we are, everything that we have, all that there is. So how do you stack up to God's command to be a good steward of those areas of life? What are you doing with what God has given you? 
Now, we can look back and we can have regrets. Or we can acknowledge that, Lord, I have not always been faithful and I've not always been right. But I've learned some things today that maybe will make a difference in how I live. Why don't we start with that confession and start with that repentance, Lord? I'm not going back to the same old ways to do the same old thing. So if you keep teaching me how to be a good steward, I'm going to keep trying to be a better steward. And what greater way to honor God than just simply saying, Lord, I understand. I didn't know or I didn't obey, but now I know, so now I'm going to obey. And oh, by the way, if you're anything like me, you're going to stumble along life's journey. But let me just remind you of my favorite verse, 1 John 1, 9. For the Lord himself says he is faithful and just to forgive us when we cleanse and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness if we will simply confess our sin. He promises. He'll take our failures and he'll make them right. But we must acknowledge it. We must begin there. So with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, the, and for those of you that are online, just pray with me. Father, as we bow before you this morning, Lord, at the conclusion of our time, recognizing that, Lord, you have given us things. You have given us things to, to care for and to take care of. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us, O oh Lord, to be reminded, O oh God, that we must be good managers, good stewards of the life in which you have entrusted us with. Let it be said of us one day, well done, faithful servant. Good job. Lord, may it not be said of us, take that which he has away from him, for he was not faithful. Lord, hear us as we ask, O Lord, be merciful unto us for our past failures. Give us grace and let the mercy be shown by the blood of Jesus Christ that washes us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, let us begin today to be better stewards of that which you have given to us. Father, we ask these things so that Christ would be exalted and lifted up and glorified. And now, Father, would you speak to our hearts with every head bowed and every eye closed. If there is a message that you have for each and every one of us, would you speak unto us? Even now we pray in Jesus' name. Let the Spirit of the Lord speak to your hearts as I close our time online this morning. For those of you that are online, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to worship with you. We pray that you will take serious the heart of God and that if God has spoken to you and you need help in this area, please feel free to contact us. The information is there on the screen. Also, there is information on how that you can be good stewards 
of your finances and help the church to continue to do the work that we have been called to do. And with that, I thank you for worshiping with us this morning and we will uh, see you again next week.